Welcome to Music History Monday for July 5th, 2021. I'm Bob Greenberg, and the title of today's podcast is George Rockberg and the Great Dilemma. If you haven't already, please consider joining me on my subscription site at patreon.com slash robertgreenbergmusic, where I blog, vlog, podcast, pontificate, review, and bloviate four to six times a week. We mark the birth, on July 5th, 1918, 103 years ago today, of the American composer George Rockberg. He died at the age of 86 on May 29th, 2005. Rockberg was of that generation of composers who, having served in the military during World War II, found himself a radically changed person and artist by the war's end in 1945. Like other composers of his generation, Milton Babbitt, Pierre Boulez, Karl-Heinz Stockhausen, Ioannis Zinakis, and Georgi Ligeti, to name but a few, Rockberg's aesthetic and worldview were altered forever. Like the composers named above, he sought a modernist musical language relevant to what appeared to be an entirely new world. We'll talk about the nature of much post-war modernism in just a bit. Suffice it for now that it is music of daunting compositional complexity and sadly, far more often than not, unremitting ugliness. But then, then personal tragedy forced Rockberg to re-examine the roots and premises of his musical modernism. In 1972, with the composition of his string quartet number no. three, Rockberg, musically reborn, reemerged as a composer of a different sort of music with an entirely new aesthetic behind it. George Rockberg's remarkable musical journey is not just the story of one composer, but that of an entire generation of composers, composers who believed that they had discovered a musical language relevant to the post-war world, only to discover, after crises of musical faith many years later, that they had not. Again, the single work that marks Rockberg's compositional rebirth is his String Quartet No. 3 of 1972. Tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes post will explore that quartet in detail and will offer up recorded musical examples in support of that exploration. George Rockberg, 1918-2005. He was born 103 years ago today in the city of Patterson in northeastern New Jersey, the county seat of Passaic County. He grew up in the nearby city of Passaic. He was one of three children born to Jewish-Ukrainian immigrants. His father was an upholsterer. Young George took up the piano at the age of 10 and began writing his own music soon after. His first compositions were popular-styled songs with lyrics written by his friend, Bob Russell. Yeah, Bob Russell, 1914 to 1970, was born Sidney Keith Rosenthal in Passaic. Today, 
He is a member of the Songwriters Hall of Fame. He collaborated with, among many others, Harry Warren and Duke Ellington. His last hit song was, He Ain't Heavy, He's My Brother, of 1969. For our information, George Rockberg continued to write popular songs throughout his life, though under a pseudonym as an adult. Rockberg earned a bachelor's degree at Montclair State Teachers College, now Montclair State University, in 1939. From there, it was on to the high-end Manus School of Music in Manhattan, where he studied composition with Leopold Manus himself and the Hungarian immigrant composer and conductor George Zell, 1897-1970. Zell was impressed with Rockberg, so much so that he was the first major conductor to program Rockberg's music after taking over as the music director and conductor of the Cleveland Orchestra in January 1946. Rockberg remained at Manus until 1942, when he was drafted into the United States Army. Commissioned as a second lieutenant in the infantry, he was seriously wounded in June 1944 during the Normandy invasion, for which he was awarded the Purple Heart with Oak Leaf Cluster. Having recovered from his wounds, Rockberg returned to the front in time to participate in George Patton and his Third Army's famous rescue-slash-relief of the 101st Airborne on December 27, 1944, at Bastogne during the Battle of the Bulge. Writes the composer Michael Linton, quote, The war had a tremendous effect upon Rockberg. Although he had wanted to be a composer since his youth, the destruction that he witnessed and in which he participated propelled him to consciously devote himself to a life of creation." Unquote. Rockberg returned to the United States in 1945, intent on finally finishing his musical education. He was accepted and enrolled at the Curtis Institute in Philadelphia, where one of his teachers was John Carlo Menotti, 1911-2007. After earning his Bachelor of Music degree at Curtis, he went on to receive a M.A. at the University of Pennsylvania in 1949. Now in time, Rockberg became a professor of music at Penn, where he chaired the Department of Music and taught until 1983. In 1978, he was named the first Annenberg Professor of the Humanities. A Fulbright scholarship took him to Italy in 1950, where Rockberg met the 12-tone composer Luigi Dalla Piccola, 1904-1975. It was, for Rockberg, a eureka moment. He was absolutely floored by post-war 12-tone or ultra-serial music in which complex formulas were used to determine not just pitch, but rhythm, articulation, and even register and dynamics. Rockberg later wrote that discovering and composing serial music made him feel as though he was, quote, living at the very edge of the musical frontier, of music itself, 
unquote. Rockberg was not alone in this feeling, please. Let's take a moment to discuss this. The impact of World War II on the nature of post-war modernism. On May 2nd, 1945, two days after Hitler's suicide, which occurred at around 3.30 p.m. local Berlin time on April 30th, and six days before the official declaration of the end of the war in Europe at 11.01 p.m. on May 8th, the following editorial statement appeared in the Manchester Guardian, quote, Europe has never known such a calamity to her civilization, and nobody can say when she will begin to recover from its effects, unquote. Given the stupefying scope of destruction, this is an entirely understandable statement. More than 60 million human beings had perished, and countless more were maimed and injured and made homeless. Millions more served in the military and had been witness to events and experiences that simply could not be understood or even imagined by anyone who did not share them. The lives of those people who lived through the war were changed forever by the war. And among those people was a generation of young composers for whom the war was the formative experience of their lives. In the end, for these young post-war composers, it would not be, it could not be, back to pre-war musical business as it was. Pre-war neoclassicism, with its traditional tonal structures and expressive irony, had no relevance whatsoever for the young post-war modernists. As it soon played out, pre-war Schoenberg-style 12-tone music with its traditional approach to form, rhythm, and phrase structure had little appeal as well. Folk song-inspired musical nationalism a la Bella Bartok was rejected entirely by the post-war modernists as being symptomatic of the same nationalist arrogance that had given rise to fascism and Nazism. For the young post-war modernist composers, only a brutally clean break with the past, music purged of all self-expressive egocentricity, romanticism with its attitude of feeling over reason, and nationalistic hubris, was appropriate for the post-war atomic age. Back to George Rockberg. Like so many other young composers of his time, Rockberg became a hardcore, post-war compositional modernist and a fully enfranchised member of the American academic serialist community. That is, until an event in 1961 turned his world upside down. His 17-year-old son Paul, an aspiring poet, was diagnosed with a brain tumor. After what Rockberg later called three agonizing years, Paul died at the age of 20. Rockberg grieved long and hard, and when he returned to his music to give voice to his experience, he realized, much to his horror, that his modernist compositional vocabulary was incapable of providing him the means to say what he needed to say. He described the experience this way, quote, Modernism ended up allowing us only a postage stamp-sized expressive space to stand on. We cut the rest away. 
It was a style which made it virtually impossible to express serenity, tranquility, grace, wit, energy, and perhaps most importantly, joy. It was finished, empty, meaningless." Unquote. Rockberg began what became a long quest for a new musical language, one that would allow him to say and express what he needed to say and express. In the process of finding a new musical voice, Rockberg became ferociously critical of the modernist conviction that post-war music could somehow break away from its own history. In an essay entitled The Avant-Garde and the Aesthetics of Survival, Rockberg wrote that, quote, there is no greater provincialism than the special form of arrogance which denies the past, unquote. For his inspiration, Rockberg turned to the music of the past. His return to not just tonal centricity, but to traditional functional tonality with its inherent harmonic qualities of tension and release, departure and return, was for him a return to musical narrative, to the concept of music as a form of communication. Now, granted, Rockberg didn't entirely abandon atonality. Rather, he reserved the right to compose any sort of music he chose to compose. As such, his particular brand of storytelling might not be accessible or meaningful for everyone. Nevertheless, here was a well-known and influential modernist and ultra-serialist with heavy-duty academic credentials who appeared to be turning back the clock of musical progress in order to plumb a world of expression that modernism had rejected out of hand. OMG, you could have knocked the American academic musical community over with a feather. But Rockberg went further still. He decided that not only could tonal and non-tonal music stand side by side in a single work and even in a single movement, but a multiplicity of different historical styles could coexist as well. Quote, in this way, many musical languages are spoken in order to make the larger statement convincing, unquote. It's important that we understand that Rockberg was not alone in rejecting what he considered the ahistorical and expressive barrenness of ultra-serialism. In 1976, the Polish composer Henryk Gorecki, up to then a staunch serialist, left the modernist musical community aghast with his gorgeous and heartbreaking Symphony No. 3. Accused of being a sellout to modernism, Gorecki responded, quote, I can tell you that what I write is my commentary on what is happening around me. I don't live in an ivory tower. I participate in life, the war that went through here, and then that damned communism, and now all this social upheaval and the changes that are bombarding us. I am not a person who can be indifferent. I absorb these things. My music is my commentary." Unquote. In 1968, after having been criticized by the modernist community for writing music deemed to be much too accessible, the Hungarian composer Ivan Erod defended himself by laying out his compositional credo. Quote, 
Art is communication. When I write music, I aim for it to be heard and understood. Therefore, I have to make use of a language that is, at the very least, understandable by a fairly large number of people. I affirm melody, form, and effect, three essential conditions for guaranteeing quality communication. I'm not a purist in terms of stylistic means. We have several millennia of musical past behind us, and I see no reason to shut myself off from it. Originality of language at all costs is the enemy of communication. Language is a matter of convention. The same holds for musical language." Unquote. These are sentiments with which George Rockberg would have agreed entirely. Rockberg's breakaway work, the piece that reintroduced him to the musical community and represents what he called his time of turning, is his string quartet number no. three of 1972. When we return in tomorrow's Dr. Bob Prescribes post, it will be with Rockberg's third quartet and something new, a guided tour through the work using recorded musical examples. Until tomorrow. Thank you. To sample and download one or all of my many courses on subjects musical produced by The Great Courses slash The Teaching Company, please visit my website at robertgreenbergmusic.com.